Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and we are delighted to have back with us again this week, Scott Schutte. Uh, Most of you who listen to this podcast will know Scott well by now. He has been in leadership in produce retail for many, many years now, and we had the pleasure of visiting some stores together a little bit earlier this spring in, in the Phoenix area and all kinds of observations from that. We've already had two lengthy continuations of our, our conversation going through the stores, Scott. And um, one thing that, that I know stood out to you and to me as well were just the opportunities for, for meal inspiration and, and all the different mm-hmm. ways that can look um, at the store level, uh, digital, you know, all the different extensions of, of a grocer's brand that are, that are out there and how they communicate with shoppers. What were some of the the takeaways you had in this area as, as we visited stores? I remember two of them, two of them very clearly that um, that we both noticed and we saw. And we spent some time kind of digging in a little bit farther. Um, both of these displays coincidentally had something in common. They both were using some really cool informational signage that kind of caught our, our eye at first. Um, one of them was the... Uh, sangria watermelon uh, display that was not actually even in the produce department. It was in the uh, the beer, wine, liquor department of the store, um, but some really good signage and informational recipes on how to not just sell that one ingredient from that apartment, but to uh, get the shopping cart over to produce and pick up the watermelon that went with it. Um, that recipe, I believe, also had limes, oranges, and blueberries in it. And so what a great way to build a basket um, by some really good informational signage put up over in that other department. We also noticed um, a display that caught our eye in the produce department, and that was a display that um, didn't just sell tomatoes, even though the display was uh, primarily made up of different tomatoes. I think everything from heirloom tomatoes to some some beautiful grape tomatoes and some other varieties of tomatoes. But that display was everything you could have imagined for ingredients in a caprese salad. Uh, I think we found everything there except the fresh mozzarella, Um, garlic, basil, the tomatoes. Um, I believe there was a small display of, of olive oil even with it. But that was something that really caught my eye. Uh, because it was helping the customer plan a meal, or at least part of a meal, and had all the components to that meal readily available, displayed in one location, and had some really cool informational signage that told the story about making a a caprese salad and some of those details. So I really gravitated to both of those and liked both of those merchandising styles and displays. Absolutely. Well, in the um, the tomato display you were talking about too, like you mentioned, the signage there, I thought was was really clever because we we see a good number of folks merchandise, you know, tomatoes and basil, and and sometimes you get the mozzarella in there and some of those other things. Um, but what I thought, and and like I said, you mentioned this too, and I think it was uh, Trader Joe's where we saw that that display that we're both thinking of was so- the signage that they had. I think it said caprese salad, right? And it kind of listed the different ingredients, how they do those those beautiful kind of artsy signs, you know, where they had the ingredients kind of scrolled around, you know, around the top of the sign. And I thought, what a great, I mean, we talk about in, in marketing, right? You always have to have multiple points of exposure with, with your consumer, right? Before the message really kind of sinks in. 
And so I thought, man, how, how great to have everything together, have it listed together too, right in front of there. Right. And, and you can envision how, if you put those things together, you know, you mentioned that in the ad, maybe you mentioned that you have those things connected on your e-commerce site. I mean, you can see a lot of ways where you could, you know, point the consumer that direction in, in all these different areas. Absolutely. Uh, one other kudos to give them also was that uh, this display was right at the point of entrance coming into the store. And it was a great way to start not only setting a fresh tone, but kind of planting a, a subliminal message or seed for the customer to start thinking about maybe what's for dinner. And even though that Caprese salad might not have been on their shopping list, uh, very well could be by the time they got to the front register with the placement of that, the signage of it, and all those great components for the one-stop shop sitting together. I think if, if I was going to add anything to that dis display, um, I thought about uh, what, what could I take away from that and learn from, from making it or enhancing it a little bit better than it was. You mentioned the fresh mozzarella. Um, there could be a little iced display with some fresh mozzarella side by side with it. Um, opportunity for maybe a, a, a bigger olive oil display tied in together with it. And some other cross merchandising from the other departments, including where's that little basket of fresh baked baguettes, those French baguettes that are out there, easy to slice and a, a primary ingredient on making a little uh, caprese toast or something like that. So lots of other opportunities to take that great thought, that uh, great presentation of merchandising, even a notch farther or so, and get a few more departments involved. Well, and it, I think it's a fantastic point that you make, Scott, on the, the placement of that display, because you're so right. Like, when you're talking about meal inspiration and, and generating impulse sales in general, like earlier in the shop works best, I think, in, in a lot of those circumstances where you want people kind of thinking about it, you know, at the beginning, sometimes it works if it's like a, a one-off thing to grab it at the end. Like I know um, in a previous episode, of course, we talked about floral and like, hey, I kind of want the floral closer to the end. Like I want to be a little closer to the end of my shop and be able to pick up that one thing, you know, and, and go. But like what you're talking about, when you've got multiple components and you kind of want to, um, you know, co-create the the meal plan for the week with the shopper, having that up front, you know, re really makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. Makes the shop faster and easier also. Uh, some of the recent studies that I've read have shown that the consumer is still not spending as much time in the grocery store as they used to three or four years ago. And so naturally with the pandemic, their shop has become very um, fast and efficient in order to get in and get out as fast as possible. Um, but right now, um, they're still in a speedy process. They still want that uh, ease of shopping and those quick and easy ideas. And like I said before, great way to start the shopping experience with a, uh, a quick and easy display that puts some additional items in the basket for upfront. Well, and I think what's so cool too is like meal inspiration can take so many different forms. So it can be, you know, rather all encompassing like that display that we saw, or it can be as simple as, you know, a tip on, I think um, also at Trader Joe's, we had seen a, a display of grape tomatoes or, or cherry tomatoes, which they called mini heirloom tomatoes for this medley pack, which I thought was an interesting yeah. bit of uh, marketing there, right? Absolutely. Um, and they just had a little kind of handwritten sign right below it. I think it said, you know, great for, it was stews and sauces or, or something like that. And um, I actually, I had written something on LinkedIn and mentioned how much I really appreciate 
as a shopper, like those little, just those little tips on the, on the informational signage. And my brother-in-law, who is, you know, kind of your average consumer, I've talked with him a little about produce, but not too much. Um, he actually commented and said, yeah, I find those super helpful when, you know, I'm not sure which onion works best for something. And they've just got a little sign next to the onion that says, hey, the white ones are great for this. The red ones are best for this. I mean, it can be really simple and still be helpful. Yeah, we have to uh, still consider how many consumers are cooking more at home uh, still up until this day and uh, have kind of created a, a natural habit of, uh, you know, being that uh, at home chef. And they're obviously not professionals, but they're looking for all the hints and the little suggestions or um, those little informational bits of, of signage that are out there to uh, kind of inspire them a little bit, but not only that, educate them and uh, teach them the use of, of many different things in that department. Um, it sounds funny, but I've, I've been in departments before where I've had a customer ask me how to bake a baked potato, how to bake a, a premium russet baked potato. Um, when I got done laughing, I was able to explain, you know, a number of different ways to bake a uh, baked potato, but then I sat back and realized Unfortunately, there are a lot of people that have never baked a baked potato and they're constantly looking for, um, you know, ways to be handy in the kitchen and to learn something that maybe they've never had an opportunity to do before. Something as simple as, as baking a potato, we all take for granted. So any of those hints or suggestions that we can provide the consumer from a, from a marketing standpoint or a signage standpoint or um, any way to draw attention to it uh, via, you know, those avenues of even social media and the front page of an ad flyer. Um, I think that we're getting a lot more consumers that are paying attention to it now, more so than ever. What do you think the, the right amount is when it comes to that informational signage? Like, obviously, we don't want too much. We don't want to overwhelm people, you know, all those kind of things. What do you think it, what do you think a good, like, informational signage strategy looks like to kind of get people, you know, to, to help them when they're selecting things. And then on the, on the meal inspiration side as well, how, how would you kind of start that knowing that like, mm -hmm. we can't give everybody everything because it'd be too much, but, but we sure. want to help. Sure. I'll kind of start from one extreme to the next. Um, the, the ad flyer, uh, something as simple as a, uh, a quick, healthy attribute in the ad flyer, something, you know, the, the blueberries are on sale this week, 99 cents a pint, great value, great deal. But what about letting the customer know what a great antioxidant blueberries are? And just that little burst or that little button up by that particular item that explains to the customer, this is a, a big antioxidant. You know, this is something good for you and it draws their attention to it and then gets carried over into signage out in the store. So it's not like um, we're going to just have a name of an item, a description and a price point. Um, you might be able to add healthy attributes to the signage itself, to the ad signage itself. In addition to that, um, your point uh, I've seen taken to the extreme in many cases where a display actually shows more pieces of signage material or posters or banners or whatever, rather than the actual product itself. I've also seen signage that blocks the sight line of the department and kind of impedes the customer's vision for navigating through the store because there's just too much sign clutter. Um, I think for the signage principles of the conversation, signage has to be concise. 
Um, there are ways, like we saw in Trader Joe's, to paint a great recipe picture of a caprese salad and do it without an overwhelming amount of signage. There's also ways to uh, even scale that down a little bit and uh, mention the caprese salad, but also offer that QR code right next to it that customers are so easy, eager to take their smartphones out and snap the QR code real quick and be able to have that downloaded recipe at their fingertips on all those awesome ingredients that go into that caprese salad, including that one that wasn't pictured or on the signage. And that was a, a caprese salad that's on top of a, uh, a grilled chicken breast and how well that actually goes together as a, a combination that's a little bit different and out of the ordinary, but would help that customer again, build the basket and make sure by the time they got over to the uh, poultry section of the meat department, to be able to pick up some of the uh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts that would go with that recipe that they just pulled up on that QR code. So lots of opportunity there for signage, but I guess the main point is not to overwhelm the product itself. The product needs to speak for itself first, not to block any vision of the rest of the department and to be very neat and tidy. And um, what's a good word that I'm looking for? Throughout the store, there has to be some uh, some cohesiveness with the same type of signage, so it's easily identifiable. Um, it can't be drastically different than the other departments. Uh, it should be easy to identify by the customer that this is one of those helpful. Um, I like to call them "Did you know?" signage pieces, you know, that help educate you. And did you know with a question mark on the end of it? Um, that's going to do nothing but provide me the customer with the information that either I may or might not be looking for, but it's going to help my shopping experience for sure. Well, and you mentioned some of the, the visuals of the finished product, right? Whether if you have a recipe photo, or I think one of the things that, that you and I talked about when we saw the, the look at the salad you can make display is mm -hmm. wouldn't it be interesting if we could get and oh and actually I remember we talked about this as we were walking through sprouts too because they had some refrigerated cases and they, they had a flat surface on the top and to your point I know sight lines are always a priority right but we saw that flat space in the top and we thought huh I wonder if this could be a space that could be used for for cross merchandising so even thinking about um you know either visuals or, you know, often we see the, like the bulk apples on one side and the bagged apples on the other side, right? Or like offering those combinations um, where, hey, here's all the ingredients if you want to make it yourself, or here's the finished salad you can take and have for lunch right now if you would like to do that. So all kinds of cool possibilities. And that really helped me think about a, uh, a similar topic. And that is through my experiences, whether it's with, um, uh, avocado commissions or potato commissions or whoever it might be, um, the conversation of using a visual of a finished product through their experiences and their testing and their polling has always helped improve the sales and the movement of that item. So a couple quick examples. Um, when I promoted avocados, being able to put side by side the picture of the whole avocado, a bowl of guacamole with a couple of chips in it, always helped improve uh, movement and, and production of that particular promotion. The same goes with potatoes. You know, advertising just a, a bag of potatoes is kind of boring, but next to that bag of potatoes, when there's that, that hot homemade bowl of mashed potatoes or scallop potatoes or whatever the finished ingredient might be, it helps take on a different consumer perspective on 
giving them some ideas and some tools to actually put onto their shopping list for how they might be using those particular items. And it might make them think a little bit farther than just a picture of an avocado or just a picture of a bag of potatoes. So. Very true. Well, and it's fun because uh, I think an, another way to do this, right, is to kind of combine those two things, right? So so here's a little bit of a shortcut, like here's your diced onions and your diced peppers and um, and here's the recipe for you to go get the rest of what you need for your stir fry or, you know, your chicken breast with vegetables or, you know, whatever, whatever the item is. And I think um, I know we talked on our, our last episode about collaboration across departments mm. within the store on a corporate level. And it, it is something where I think pretty quickly you get into an area where it's like, oh, we could probably kind of supercharge everything that we're doing if we get the protein folks involved and the bakery folks involved. And, um, you know, I mean, that that's where you get into kind of the big time meal solution territory, I would think. Absolutely. Um, whether it's a, um, a full meal idea or maybe it's just the dessert part of the idea. We saw some opportunities when we were out hitting stores that can be tied together and probably should be tied together to help the customer shop a little bit um, more effectively or efficiently and get them in and out of the store with a full basket. I think we saw the uh, rotisserie chicken that was uh, tied together with um, a basket of fresh baked French bread. And we kind of started looking at opportunities on how we could flank that with the refrigerated case that was close by that would possibly have that value-added cut broccoli, cauliflower, carrot medley. That's, you know, that fresh bag of, of produce items that could be easily steamed and cooked up and ready to go for that meal, along with the rotisserie chicken and the bread, and then throw in that uh, salad kit and all the different opportunities in that fresh salad kit. And then by the uh, time you're done, you've got a, a complete fast and easy meal for that consumer that night on some things that tie together. But I think we took it a little bit farther and we talked about the potential of the marketing team and the dietitian slash nutritionalist team working together to kind of create a bunch of those fast and easy ideas like the rotisserie chicken dinner and how quick it would be to put something like that together. I think there's a ton of those easy opportunity ideas that can not only go out via from a marketing perspective on paper in print um, via social media on the website and the ad flyer wherever it might be to actually merchandising that way out in the stores to have those items together to make it faster and easier for a, a quick and easy dinner idea we also saw one of those dessert ideas that um, i really liked and especially going into the warmer months of the year and it being berry season we saw a lot of the, the merchants out there that were not just selling berries. They were selling angel food cake and pound cake and whipped topping and the dulce fruit of chocolate and all the accompaniments that went with the berries. They were building a great size basket because all those items were merchandised together in the same location. And they all had that common theme that just screamed out dessert. And a fast and easy way, uh, especially with the berries being on sale and in prime season, to uh, build a great dessert. Whether you're going to somebody's house that night or it's dessert for the family that night, those guys made it very fast and easy to, to create a great dessert with more than just strawberries in the dessert. I think that uh, if I was shopping that day, I probably would have went out with you know $15 to $20 worth of ingredients 
to build that uh, you know awesome strawberry shortcake and be able to have leftovers for the night after. Well, and to your point, Scott, too, it's like for every meal occasion, there are all these different combinations and things to offer, of course, too. So even thinking about doing that in store and then mirroring it online. I mean, I, I think about the um, I was talking with this or I was talking about this the other day, actually, with um, R- Wendy Reinhardt Capsack over at Produce for Better Health Foundation. And yes. I mentioned something that's really interesting to me when we talk about, you know, the the websites and searchability and filters and all that kind of stuff. Um, like when you search on like the Macy's website for clothes, right? You have so many different options you can filter by. You can filter by color and size and occasion and sleeve length and, you know, all, all these different things. And I know that they, there's some of that functionality on some of the, the retailer sites out there um, that I see. But I mean, if you can sort your recipes by meal occasion, by, you know, is it vegetarian? Is it, you know, all, all those different kind of things. You can see all the different parameters and then you connect that and make make um, all the recipes shoppable. And you can see how very quickly, and then you mirror that in the ad and you mirror that in the merchandising. You can see how that can quickly come together um, like how much room there is to work in this area, I think. Yeah. And in addition to that, one other technique that I really like on the website is um, use a recipe, especially with lots of great produce items in it. Use a recipe as part of the landing page or that rotator that when a, a customer gets to the initial web page and the web page is rotating different uh, pictorials or different parts of, of the store while they're figuring out how to navigate use the the rotator method or page for one of those great recipes, especially with, you know, peak of season items that are over in the produce department and those items that tie in great with items from the meat department. And uh, what a great subliminal message that is when a a consumer clicks on your website for the initial digging into, and they don't have to go far because there's a recipe that flashes up there that's relevant for the time of year and for the seasonality of the items that it's featuring. So I thought that's another great way of catching a consumer's attention to, hey, we've got recipes and we've got some great items and look at how easy this one is. And then it rotates to the next topic that might be going on within that organization or that retailer. I I absolutely love that idea. And probably there's another conversation to be had on how that how that digital space is is utilized by retailers, right? Because I know that, um, you know, the the paid advertising on there and kind of paid content on there, that's become an important additional revenue stream for grocers. But figuring out, um, you know, basically kind of going back to my media background, right? Is like, how much of your content do you want editorial versus how much do you want paid, right? Like how how much do you need to, to reserve of that for your own things to drive, you know, and tie into the overall marketing and merchandising the, of what you want to do in store versus how much is going to, you know, some of these big brands that will pay to, to promote on the sites and stuff like that. Um, and to your point, I think it, I think it's super important to, to use those, those big powerful spaces um, in, in that way from real inspiration. Absolutely. And I think there's a happy compromise to be able to do both. I know there's uh, many, many produce growers out there that would, love to be featured in something like that. I think of um, my friends down in Georgia, the the Georgia peaches, and what a great job they did for us season after season with the Georgia peaches when they became available. Um, They have lots of opportunity too to help promote and to be able to help put Georgia peaches on the map in different parts of the United States. And 
uh, folks like that would love to be part of, um, you know, recipes and ideas that float through the website or via email blasts that go out to consumers or even front page. You know, and the marketing that uh, goes into place on announcing something as special as uh, a Georgia peach for the first season. Um, so there are cooperative opportunities out there with the wholesale community, uh, with the marketing team and the organization itself to uh, have a happy compromise between um, all involved and ultimately sell a lot more product. And that's the name of the game for everybody. Absolutely. And I think you've you've segued us nicely here, Scott, from, from meal inspiration a little bit to seasonality, which certainly ties into meal inspiration. And I and I think both go toward the area of like creating excitement in the department and then also being a being a resource for shoppers, right? Like when they come to you, they they get information and ideas as well as the product that they crossed into the doors to physically buy, right? And um, I know that, uh, so you mentioned Georgia peaches, there's all kinds of items that it like actually is special because you only can get it, you know, for a short time of the year. What were some of the strategies you saw be successful in communicating, you know, around those seasonal items to shoppers? Because especially in this day and age, when everyone's kind of used to everything year round, I think it, it takes some intentionality to communicate that sometimes. Absolutely. And it's actually a perfect time to talk about it. Um, comp sales are hard to get right now. Comparable same store sales are very challenging and very difficult in many organizations. So it's just on a matter of uh, building that same old strawberry display and hoping you sell more than you did the year before. You've got to come up with other ways, other items to pick out that will help you gain some incremental sales and put some more items in the basket. So um, not focusing on just your primary items like strawberries and even some of your secondary items, but going down the roster to some of your tertiary items uh, can work in your favor. I know it sounds funny, but I mean, we, we joked and we talked a lot on our store walk about dragon fruit and the, you know, kind of the new popularity of dragon fruit and the different varieties of dragon fruit. Talked a little bit about jackfruit, talked a little bit about the Meridol red lady papayas, and those are three items that I think of as, as tertiary items. They're not as popular as a strawberry or a banana by any means, but um, they're great items to help build incremental sales. And most of all, some comp comparable sales, um, higher than last year's sales. Uh, I had lots of great success picking out items like that when they were in prime season and kind of exaggerating them or glorifying them um, in all aspects from a, a merchandising perspective, uh, their size of displays grew from a promotion perspective, all of a sudden jackfruit was on the front page. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, um, conversations about you know, the marital papaya were floating around through social media and through some of the, the different marketing avenues that are out there available that we're talking about the health benefits of, of marital papayas and how great they are for your stomach and for the fiber and all the other great ingredients inside them. But we put all to, together and ended up with, you know, instead of selling cases per week, literally we were selling truckloads per week. And we made some drastic volume increases just by giving a peak of season tertiary item like a, a jackfruit or a dragon fruit or even that that papaya I spoke about, giving them some love in the store with merchandising space and location, 
giving them a great value price or value proposition to the customer and uh, getting them at a great cost because they were in peak season and really taking advantage of turning that tertiary item into, in some cases, a secondary or almost a primary type item. And uh, with volume increases that size, they became not only a customer favorite, but they kind of became a store favorite. They were unique and they were cool. They were those items that customers always stopped and asked what the heck they are. Um, They were those items that we had informational signage in place and customers gravitated to that signage, really sat there and read it and looked at it, understood it. And then most of all, looked at that price point and realized that that was worth their effort to take a chance and actually enjoy how tasty it was. And for them to realize some of the nutritional benefits of something like jackfruit that they've never had before and realize it's very high in vitamin A, it's got a ton of fiber to it. And it's actually a fruit that can rejuvenate the body almost instantly when it's eaten. Um, The signage also had descriptions on what it tasted like, because those were some of the days where, you know, COVID was uh, in prime time and we weren't doing in-store sampling. So the only other way to get a taste of that jackfruit into a customer's mouth was through signage and through merchandising, some of those cut half pieces of jackfruit that were wrapped up with, you know, the the clear overwrap. So a customer could kind of see the look of it and read the signage and understand that was a, a combination of a, of a sweet tropical mango, papaya, pineapple slash something that uh, really sounded good and tasted good. And it's something they never had before. And oh, by the way, it's great for you. It's good for your body. And I'm all about the health right now. So in goes, you know, a half cut piece of jackfruit into the grocery cart and out the front register. So lots of success picking up items that never used to be able to steal the spotlight. Uh, because the spotlight was always, you know, those primary items like the bananas and strawberries I mentioned. But to get something else into the mix and, you know, get customers to become a fan favorite of some of those items they might have driven by with their cart many of times, but never took the time to stop and actually pick one up. And a lot of that, you know, uh, it, it's a little bit of everybody's opportunity, I'll say. Um, from a merchandising standpoint, we normally don't give a lot of space from a a space allocation uh, perception to those type of of fruits. We definitely don't give them enough marketing recognition and we hardly ever give them any promotional experiences by putting them in the ad. So the combination of those three helped really put some tertiary items on the map for us. And they built some small but important incremental sales to uh, help comp sales increase year over year. Well, and I'm I'm glad I love those examples. And what you said there at the end was that's what I was waiting to hear because my thought was too is like however long that you guys did the the promotional elements or the signage, I can only imagine that only pays dividends for the entire rest of the year because now, but just like we were talking about fresh herbs the last time, you get introduced to these things and you're like, oh. I actually like that and I like it with this and this. So now I'm buying that every week or every couple of weeks because now that's in my rotation. It's almost like building a signature item into the produce department. I mean, we have a ton of items that could be claimed as signature items. That uh, famous Georgia peach is really a signature item. It's only available certain times a year, but 
what a signature item a yellow dragon fruit might be or a red dragon fruit might be only available certain times of the year. Uh, two months out of the year, they're in prime season and those two months out of the year, a customer can remember, you know, your particular store organization is going to be carrying those items and promoting those items and making a big deal out of those items. And it adds a lot of entertainment value to the customer shopping experience. It sure does, because it's not that same old boring banana, it's something a little bit different. And right now, customers are definitely looking to try and experiment with something that's a little bit more different over in the produce department. They just need to know a little bit more about it. They need to be intrigued and entertained enough to be able to put it in their shopping cart. So that's the name of the game. Well, and to your point, and I might have shared this story with you already, Scott, but yellow dragon fruit has been been one of my favorites ever since I got to try it for the first time a few years ago. And so I was in a store in California a little bit earlier this spring, and I noticed that that a gal came came over to the dragon fruit display, or she was looking for the dragon fruit display because I guess she was a personal shopper and somebody had changed their mind. And she's kind of looking around, and she had the the dragon fruit in the bag in her hand. And I said, "Oh, it's it's over here." And she said, "Oh, thanks. You know, somebody changed their mind." And um, I I thought, well, I don't know if she wants to hear from me, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I said, "You know, the yellow ones are are really the best." And she said, oh, oh, really? There's there's yellow ones. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're sweet. They're super juicy. All you do is cut it in half and then just eat it with a spoon. It's it's absolutely fantastic. She said, all right, all right. I, I'm sold. That next time I will have to try a yellow dragon fruit. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. And it's just it's just as easy as that. You know, you get a little you get a little enthusiasm behind something and people are looking for that. Right. Like we all have our kind of set menu rotation, our, our go-tos, right? And when we can get a personal endorsement or even something on signage that's quick and easy and kind of friendly in tone, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting a, a short, concise, you know, um, direction that can be really helpful. I just, I find it helpful as a shopper. And sometimes I think, oh, well, maybe everybody else, you know, knows more about this than me. And in many cases that tr- that's true, but I always think, well, if it's helpful for me, it's probably helpful for other shoppers out there too, or at least a segment of them. Absolutely. Um, to your point, it made me think of, of something else that uh, I remember reading recently. And it's one of my favorite retailers out there, Costco. Um, Costco right now is running almost 13% positive year over year comparable sales, um, doing a booming job competing even with inflation and the after effects of, of COVID. But one of the things they are doing in store that I've noticed right away is they've got back into the demo program in a, a very big way. And they've got um, their, their usual demo stations set up and then some with a ton of active in-person live product demos that are going on within that organization. Uh, coincidentally, their sales are up quite a bit. And I'm a firm believer in, in product demonstrations and tasting events that allow consumers to, to try and taste some of the great things that we're talking about. But I also understand it's a little bit difficult to do right now at many retailers at this time of year. Um, one of my suggestions would be kind of another happy compromise. Maybe instead of that active demo with a person out there soliciting the product and offering taste of that item, for the retailer to really strongly consider uh, passive demos again. And that could be as simple as, you know, setting up that uh, acrylic 
domed demo display on ice that's that's food safe, very, very clean, and has the sample cups inside already of the individual items that are there for a sample. The retailer has to do a great job of obviously keeping it full and fresh and, and clean all day and as sanitary as possible, but um, I think there is a big opportunity to start getting that taste of certain items back in the consumer's mouth again. I can think of the grape category right now. Um, you know, we're getting ready to go into domestic grape season here pretty soon. And we're going to have uh, obviously the Mexican crop of grapes followed by very quickly the California crop of grapes. And we're going to have some great fruit to be touting about and to be offering taste of in there. Something as simple as, you know, that little sample cup that's got a grape or two inside it, um, especially when you get into some of these new varieties that are out there right now, that sapphire grape or the cotton candy grape or even like the uh, the witch's finger grapes. I mean, those are all great, easy passive demo opportunity items to be able to put in a little demo cup inside the demo dome and uh, make sure that if a customer is inclined and you know they're anxious to try something, they still have an opportunity to actually get you know, that cotton candy grape taste in their mouth and maybe try that for the first time and end up with a bag of uh, grapes in the grocery cart going through the front end and taking advantage of that opportunity to the best we can because um, there is nothing better than a peak of the season item that uh, is sampled out for the consumer to try and in many cases, maybe for the first time, uh, to be able to get them excited and anxious to buy that item and have some great repeat business and sales off of that item in the future. So I think we've steered away, you know, at least for a couple of years of the sampling program, but the return of the sampling program um, is probably something that's right around the corner for many retailers. My bold prediction anyway, Ashley. Well, I, I sure hope you're right because I, I know for me, it's, I think, super effective and, and especially on those, those high dollar items, like you mentioned the grapes, there are some fantastic, fantastic grapes, like you said, but you know, if, if you're not familiar with the specific varieties, you might be thinking, Oh, I, you know, do, do I, do I gamble my eight or $9 for the, the bag of these, you know, premium grapes and without getting to try one, which I think at some point it was somebody in the industry who's like, oh yeah, I just, you know, I just pre-COVID, right? Like I just take one out of the bag and try it to make sure it's good, right? Well, that will probably be frowned upon now, right? <laughs> um, but so giving folks another avenue to to try that. And I think also to your point, kind of building those, those different opportunities, even for, um, you know, definitely the produce department team, but wouldn't it be fabulous if even like the whole store team if you could have maybe like a monthly sampling event, right? For like, here are the three best items in the produce department this month. And that way, you know, the, the folks at the register kind of know what to look for as far as different seasonal or premium items um, that, that maybe haven't made it all the way into the inventory or, you know, if there's questions on how to ring something up, but just being able to be advocates for some of these things that are really at the height of the flavor and, you know, you're going to take these home and be thrilled to tears that this is what you bought and come back and looking to buy twice as much the next time. Now, what a great alternative idea also. Maybe your your store isn't quite staffed up enough and maybe you don't have the labor to even do those, those passive demos. Uh, maybe from a food safety perspective, you, your organization just isn't ready to take that bold step into passive or, or even active demos. The next best thing that you can do and I know all great retail organizations, um, each store 
has either daily or weekly meetings at the store. And that's when most of the managers from all the departments get together and are able to share and exchange valuable information on what's going on within the four walls of the store. That's a perfect time to be able to grab a, a washed bag of cotton candy grapes or that jackfruit example or whatever it might be and take it to the meeting and let some of the leadership team members of the store try that item. I know most retail stores also have a, a community break room where you know team members have their lockers and they're able to you know sit down for breaks and lunches and enjoy the break room. Hey, what a great place to throw you know that sample tray of some of the items that are new and exciting over in the produce department. Some of the best spokespeople or advocates for fresh produce items in the store is that front end cashier team. And if you can get some of the product taste in the mouths of those cashiers, that's a great conversation for them to have at that front register. Not to mention some of the, the newbies over in the produce department that might not have ever tried some of those items. That's a great opportunity to get them to sample and taste and understand how to be able to describe that item to a customer or another team member that's working in the store. So I think where there's a will, there's a way. And if the organization isn't quite ready for sampling to the general public, um, the organization should maybe take that baby step on making sure that the taste of some of these great products make it into the mouths of the team members that work at that store to help them sell it and help them be champions for some really cool products at a seasonal peak time of year. Absolutely. Well, and, and to your point, there's so many, there's so many ways to, to get messages to shoppers now. But I think that that word of mouth in-person interaction is still so powerful because there's, I don't know what it is, but there's just something different about hearing something from a person, right? It's like, oh, I tried that. I really liked it. I mean, I like sweet things. You know, I, I have quite a bit of a sweet tooth and it's pretty sweet. But if you like sweet stuff, you're going to love this cotton candy grape. You know, just that context that happens naturally in conversation is so powerful. And I mean, this could this could take us down the road of, of labor and training and staffing and, and all those sorts of things. Um, but I think, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about differentiation with Fresh. Um, investing in your people and giving them the tools to, to be those advocates on the front lines. Um, to, to me, that's something that can be a real differentiator. Absolutely. And uh, we're, we're seeing numbers right now that, that prove that online shopping is declining a little bit. Um, I think, you know, a small part of that reason might very well be that consumer wants to get back into that store and actually see, taste, smell, feel, and, you know, be part of that on in-person shopping experience that they were used to before in the past. So again, another great opportunity to uh, educate the team members and help some of those online shoppers that are gravitating back to brick and mortar stores you know, the, uh, the, the qualities, nutritional values, the taste profiles, and all the details and knowledge that they need to know to be good salespeople out there. And when that sample opportunity is available, I would definitely be the first to uh, join that campaign and start the, uh, the bolstering of a very aggressive and important sample campaign that needs to happen out there. Absolutely. Well, and and I think all these things that that we've talked about here in these last 40 minutes or, or whatever it's been, Scott, it's one of those things where together it sounds pretty comprehensive, maybe a little overwhelming, but all these different things 
I mean, you can take this in very slow incremental approaches, right? And do a lot of test and learn and just, just ease in and see how this works, see how that works. You know, obviously um, there's a whole range of different strategies and everything's going to be a little bit different for uh for each retailer, kind of what their demographics are, right? What their what their labor situation is, all the different things. But it's just cool to see the big slew of opportunities that's out there to kind of pick and choose from. Again, test different things. Um, I, I think it's important to to not be af- not be afraid to try stuff that's different, right? I'm sure there's a lot of uh, traditionally, you know, competitive pressure. Like, well, they're doing the ad of this on at this point, so we have to make sure we have it in the ad at this point, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And and I I know some of that's the reality, but the other thing is like. You know, if, if you decide that yellow dragon fruit, your entire team has tried it and thinks it's the best tropical fruit they've ever had in their life by a, a wide margin, maybe you make your whole tropical section yellow dragon fruit for the two weeks that it's the best of the year. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with trying some crazy ideas every now and then, I think, which may sound a little outlandish, but I just think there's there's room there. Yeah, the worst thing that's going to happen is it's going to work, and then you're going to do it again and, and make it bigger and stronger the next time. But um, to your point earlier, it's all about taking baby steps, and it's also about group effort and collaboration. That uh, most of the topics we talked about today, if not all of them, really involve a small effort from multiple different groups of the organization. So, um, in order to get an item promoted. You know, there's going to be effort from the the leadership or the support side of the business that has to help on the promotion side of it. In order to even come up with an item to promote, the procurement wholesale side of the business has to be able to to navigate a peak of season, great cost, great availability item. From a merchandising perspective, you know, obviously that's got to be from the operation side of the business, the ability to program that into the schematics or the planogram each and every week and really paint the picture of that bigger display of yellow dragon fruit that you were you were talking about. And then the team goes over into other areas of the business like the marketing team and the nutritionalist slash dietitian. Um, those are team members that need to be involved also because they they have some help and small help in order to help tell the story when it comes to signage or social media or in ad print or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden you put all those efforts together and um, you've set yourself up for some big time success. And uh, it's not easy, but it's very fun and exciting and rewarding when you're able to do all of that and put it together. And all that it does is give you momentum for the next time it's gonna happen or the next great thing that you're gonna promote. Um, There is a very eager collaborative effort by all all parties involved. And um, they're excited to see another success story happen. They're excited to see the customer reaction and the movement increase and the, the same store sales increase and all the great things that happen when you put a group effort like that together and systematically join forces and um, not be by yourself, but uh, be surrounded by good folks that help you make it through the the common goal. And that's to sell more groceries at the front register. Well, and, and I think that's a, that's an excellent point, Scott. And when you mentioned, you know, so many folks involved in, in the whole span of, of some of these, these projects, Mm-hmm. What are some what are some things that you've seen over the years in terms of organizations doing a good job of 
when that comes to fruition, kind of letting people know the results and, and recognizing, you know, the different departments for their role and, and helping that all come to fruition. Because I would imagine, like yeah. you said, when you get everybody on board and it, and it you know, actually happens in the store, you know, in real life from the, from the planning through to the execution, that can be a pretty cool, pretty powerful thing for the team if it's communicated and, and kind of recognized, I would think. Absolutely. Um, I missed two pieces of that conversation also. What an opportune time for a, a sales contest and something to get uh, the team members inside a store jazzed up and excited about some of the new items that they're pushing or they're promoting or some of the maybe the first of season, peak of season items that are now in that uh, they're excited about and customers are excited about. And oh, by the way, there's an opportunity for a nice, handsome reward at the end of this promotion because we've got a sales contest going on. Um, that's a great opportunity right there. It's also a great opportunity for uh, retail organizations to partner up stronger with wholesale growers and shippers of some of these products and to become not just that one-time offer or partner, but um, one of those residual year after year or season after season partnerships that not only the customer's looking forward to, but that grower, shipper, wholesale partner is definitely looking forward to because they know the effort that you put into it. They also know that um, they have lots of tools and uh, lots of offerings to give the retailer when it comes to anything and everything that they're looking for, whether it's helping fund that sales contest all the way to directly in contact with the registered dietitian and, and helping him or her support all the verbiage and the dietary information that's needed on you know how how cool that jackfruit is and what it actually does to rejuvenate your body right away and all the you know claims the fames that something like that has that there's those uh very good great grower shipper partners that have that information readily available at their fingertips and uh, they work very quickly uh, most of them have plug and play ready to go uh, marketing tools at their fingertips and uh, again another great partner to add to the big group of partners we talked about already that can really really build a strong program that customers look forward to year after year and it doesn't matter if it's a, a common item like that georgia peach example or a little bit more obscure we get over to the the yellow dragon fruit and you know the marital papaya or something that's a little bit farther off the chart that a retailer might not have done before but a great opportunity for a uh, a long-lasting partnership from the wholesale community for sure awesome well scott i think that's a good place to wrap it up anything i should have asked you that i didn't or anything else you would like to add on let's see meal inspiration sampling informational signage we've covered just a little bit of ground today we covered a lot of ground today. Um, we really did, but a lot of good examples on just a casual conversation about opportunity. And uh, there really is opportunity out there. And again, we say this and we have the conversation with the understanding of it's, uh, it's a challenging time out there from a labor perspective and from a, a training and development perspective on new team members added to the retail teams each and every day. Um, it's not to take any of that away from the retailers. 
our understanding is still 100% there, but um, we're thinking a little bit more positive into the future on some of the things that um, we could do out there as um, leaders and advocates of the produce industry to get more consumers to make that bold move over to trying a fresh produce item from the department and have them understand everything from the ease of cooking with herbs to the fun and excitement of some of these strange tropical items that we talked about today and all the tricks that retailers still have at their fingertips to, to help get more produce in the mouths of customers for sure. That's our goal, right? Absolutely. 100%. Well, yeah. And like, like you and I have talked about, there's so, there's so many fantastic items out there. And I think to your point, sampling, it's like you just, once you get to try it for yourself, it's like, oh, yep, I'm in, you know, and then second to that is that word of mouth recommendation. And then there's a whole list of, of other ways. So it's just like you said, I think a ton of opportunity. Uh, you make a great point about the the labor being being strapped right now. We we know that's a reality. Um, but again, we we see this is is such a such an impressively resilient industry. Obviously, we saw that during the pandemic. Um, but it's it's so much in the nature of of grocery and of produce suppliers. I think to to be used to up and downs and used to difficult conditions, and we see so many of them. Um, even despite those things, just continue to to look for new ways to to be real resources for those shoppers. So we're excited to continue looking around and seeing how folks are doing that. Uh, we want to thank you, of course, Scott, for joining us again to the conver- for the conversation today. Very and, welcome. Well, thank you, and um, and thank everyone for for listening here as well. We've I think this is this is three of three in our our series on our takeaways from our from our store visits. So we've we we got a lot. We took a lot away from those five stores that we visited. I think we need some more store visits, Ashley. <laughs> All right, we will we'll get some more on the calendar. And in the meantime, thank you to everyone for listening to this episode, and we'll see everybody next time on the Produce Retail Podcast.